1: This is episode number 1,234 with Andrew Schultz. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome back, my friend. Today's guest is Andrew Schultz, who is one of the biggest stand-up comedians in the country who recently released his Netflix special, Schultz Saves America. And Andrew is an actor, TV producer, and co-host of the Flagrid 2 podcast. He's hitting the road for another U.S. tour, so make sure to visit his website, check him out on social media to catch him in a city near you. In this episode, we dive in, and I love this conversation with Andrew. I just love talking with comedians who are so creative and able to connect with people in a unique way. And in this episode, we discuss how to transition your insecurities into confidence, how to become a stronger public speaker and performer on stages, why self-doubt is necessary to achieve greatness, which I thought was interesting for his point of view, how the comedy industry is constantly evolving, what you should do right now to launch your new career, and so much more. If you're enjoying this or inspired by this in any way, make sure to share this with others. You can post it on social media, tag me, tag Andrew. Okay, in just a moment, the one and only Andrew Shoals I speak from experience when I say that the best way to stay consistent with your fitness goals this year is to switch them up. It'll make it easier to stay excited for your workout each day when you know it's something new and exciting. And of course, it can be hard to always come up with new types of workout routines, which is why I love Peloton. They always are coming out with new stuff to help switch up your exercises. The Peloton Bike and Bike Plus are releasing new classes, new music, and new ways to keep your workouts fun and motivating. Keep your workouts interesting. It's the key. And Peloton has a workout for every goal, day, and mood. De-stress from a long day with 30 minutes of strength and 20 minutes of cardio or do a quick 15-minute total body class before work. Stay motivated while having fun with bike workouts, yoga, meditation, dance, cardio, and more. And I want to see you achieve your goals. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. That's o n e p e l o t o n.com. You like to do the challenging thing, like, on stage. Not the thing that you know is going to get the biggest laugh. Yeah. But the thing that's the most challenging that you'll think is really interesting. And yeah. hopefully people think it is, too. And if you can get them to laugh on the most challenging thing, then you're like, that's what lights you up, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. It's like... uh I look at it kind of like a, you know, like diving yes. in the Olympics. Yes. I might have used that you in did metaphor use the for reference, it. Yeah.
1: Not just anyone can dive in the, the pool, but...
2: Yeah, it's like it's not only diving where there's no splash. It's also like, what do you do before? Like, it's all how many flips are you going to do? How many spins? Mm, yeah. So, like, you're getting rated not only how you enter the water, but how difficult the trick was before you enter. And that's kind of how I look at, like, a joke or a premise or anything. I'm like, okay, what's, what is the most touchy subject that I could possibly talk about? And how can I make that funny for a group of people that should feel like it's touchy? Yeah. (laughs) Like that's awesome that you feel that way. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to learn this, but like when a crowd like is a little hesitant to laugh, like they're kind of doing the right social thing. But they really want to laugh. They might want to laugh, but like socially they're being considerate of other people, right? And like, I would like that behavior on the street you know, it's easy for us comics to get upset, but like, oh, why are you guys awing, or why are you guys uncomfortable, or why are you guys acting so woke, etc.? But like, realistically, that behavior, if you're just like walking down the street and you saw somebody saying opinions that are a little bit wild, like outside of the comedy club setting, you'd probably want to protect the person that might feel mm-hmm, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I don't really like have as much animosity for them as I used to. Got you. But I still want them to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> that is my place of comfort. Why do you want people to feel uncomfortable? I don't know. But it is, I love that. I love the discomfort.
1: I love the tension. I just love it. The more tension, the better. What's the thing that's hard for you in your life to be uncomfortable with?
2: What's hard for me to be uncomfortable with?
1: Since so that's comfortable, that's your comfort zone. Yes. Making an audience uncomfortable. Yes. Where are you most uncomfortable in your life? Well, let me
2: clarify. The release of tension should be this great comfort, and that's where the laugh comes from for uh, them, right? Uh, and like as as my as my career has you know begun to uh, grow and flourish, if you will. I have a much different relationship with the audience. So like now when they come- They know. They know and I just wanna give them the best show ever. Right. Like I just want them, I'm just so grateful for them. But earlier in my career when I didn't know them and they were like hesitant to laugh about touchy topics, mm-hmm. I was angry at
3: them.
1: Right.
2: And I was like, how can I manipulate you into laughing at this thing you would never want to laugh at? This is the only thing that I hated about comedy my whole career was was the first few minutes establishing who you are. It's the only time I felt like a clown. How would you do it? You have to make them feel safe. So it's like, how do I, I know what to say to get everybody in the audience to like me. But if that's not me, then they're not
1: liking. Authentically who you are. Yeah. What is the thing you'd say to get them to like you that wasn't you? just like some random joke that you're kind of like whatever or
2: yeah like there's like you know if you're in certain markets there are things that you can say right. that like just those people tend to agree with mm-hmm. but that's no fun so it's like how do i speak about them in a way that they feel like they're understood mm. but i'm still pushing back and i think that's mm-hmm. kind of where i developed this style of like kind of digging in and like understanding like nuance about each yes. one of these like cultures or people or cities etc because I could rip apart a city if I knew things I wasn't supposed to, right? And I was like, oh, this is cool. This is like this is like almost like a cheat code. Yeah. Like I can make fun of you now. You're safe with me. <laughs> you, you know right. what I'm saying? Like you right. feel safe because you know that I took enough time to learn that about to you. To research it, yeah. Yeah, and then you feel like represented. And mm-hmm. that's like a really cool thing that I didn't realize. Represented even on the worst stuff about you? Yeah, because a lot of times you're proud of that too.
1: You know? like Give it, me an example. What's a city or like a culture or... Or something feels, that you could reference that you were like, I researched this thing about Seattle or whatever. I don't know. And God, I'm trying to think. Uh, Detroit or Chicago or you know wherever it is, the South. I don't know. Uh,
2: yeah, I'm trying to think like something that I've that I was doing like uh that's something that I was like a place I was at recently. I was thinking yeah. Portland. you were like at
1: the. Uh, in Portland, you were on Instagram. You were at the marching, right? There was some. Love. Oh, Seattle, was Seattle. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, they were just
2: like the same freaking same, out. I mean, <laughs> Yo, no, Portland wants to be <laughs> Seattle, and I and I had like a big beef with Portland. <laughs> like I went there, and it was like a big. It was like a there was yeah, we had like an issue but I we got through it. Okay. And it and it was fun, but like that was that was also fun. It was like figuring out ways to make fun of Portland that they could also appreciate. And I think that they're like, oh, okay, he knows these things about us. Really? Okay, I feel comfortable enough okay. to like laugh with you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He, he gets us. Yeah, like there's something and it's interesting like putting out the clips. Like one in in um when I was in Florida, we were living in Florida during the pandemic for a while and uh I had this joke about how Cubans Become like conservative Republicans like the second they land, like but they they're like immigrants, they're minorities, uh-huh. and the second that that foot is dry, there's like a wet foot, dry foot rule. It's, <laughs> it, it's just the rule. Like if you touch the land, you're good. You're you're yeah. American. You're yeah. and uh, uh, they're just like immediately conservative Republicans. Like we need to stop the immigration. There's too many people. And The second they get here, it's like there's too many people. That's funny. And, uh, and it's funny like to see that joke get shared. Within that community and that's mm-hmm. the beauty of social media is like back in the day If you did a special on like HBO or something like that Like they couldn't just take that one little thing and share yes. it with their grandmas and grandpas and all their cousins that they do That exact thing now you see the joke go viral on tiktok or Instagram mm-hmm. because it's so easy to access Right.
1: What do you think was the skill that you learned that gave you the most confidence on stages? I think
2: uh, I was probably like watching my dad interact with people. Whoever he was talking to was the most interesting person mm. that that ha- he'd ever met. Like the bus boy could pick up all the plates, and he'd just be like, how did you do that? <laughs> like he'd literally be baffled. Like, how did you get all those plates? And like he'd find out about people, and like at, at the beginning, sometimes people thought like he was like trolling them, and then they realized it was genuine and like – I don't know. He just has a skill to like make people feel good, but he's doing it because he's curious. Mm-hmm. So he just learns so much about people, and he'd ask all these questions. And like, I could see him just like break down people's walls, and that kind of worked with me. And I was, I think that that curiosity translates to stage. And if there's one thing that I wish that I was able to do more of now is just like interact with strangers. You don't do that. It's it's. I just have less time to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have a wife. I have a career a career that's yeah, crazy team, yeah. busy. Mm-hmm. I have a team of guys, so I'm interacting with the people that I know. Mm-hmm. But I want to interact with, that's what I was saying earlier, Like I just love a conversation. Like I want to talk to you know, the Uber driver. I want to talk to the guy at TSA. I want to talk to the guy you know, that I'm sitting next to on the plane. I want to have these conversations with these people and then you know, sometimes they're fruitful.
1: Nah. And All I need is like one nugget of information and mm-hmm. that can you know, last a lifetime. What's the biggest insecurity or fear that you had to overcome? For stand-up? Just in life. In life?
2: Yeah, it wasn't like so crippling. Like Mm -hmm. I remember like
1: going to college
2: for the first time and like feeling insecure. Like I never felt like that in like some sort of uh, school environment. Like I never felt that. Like I would just stop the class. If I didn't understand anything,
1: something, like nobody's moving on. (laughs) <laughs> like, that was... They're like, it, wait a minute, teacher. I don't understand I this. don't understand it.
2: That was my philosophy. And, and I, looking back on it, I was like, wow, like, where did this come from? Like, why did you think that it was important for you to mm-hmm. say things like that, mm-hmm. and, and to understand things? Like... And then I, in college, for the first time, I was, like, hesitant to raise my hand in, like, one of these big, like, lecture halls. Like, I didn't understand that participation was 10% of your grade, and you wouldn't just raise your hand every day. Like, the teacher would have to, like, force you to talk. I'm like, dude, it's so easy. You just raise your hand. Right. Who cares? Like, I didn't care what
1: anybody felt about me. That's amazing. I, I never raised my hand. Really? I was too embarrassed and scared. and I was just bad in school. Interesting. And so I was just, you know, I never wanted to look stupid in front of others. Yeah. And thinking of, and it's funny now, because all I do now is ask dumb questions. Yeah, yeah, That yeah, I wish yeah, yeah. I would have asked when I was younger. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a really dumb question, but then I'll have people message me, literally will send me voice notes or messages yeah. on Instagram, and be like, I'm so glad you asked that question. Yeah. And I was thinking of that follow-up question that you asked, but I never ask questions. I never in preface school.
2: it with this is a dumb question. Well, yeah. I mean Don't do that.
1: I don't say that now, man. Oh, but I'm just you're thinking, thinking it, I'm, just, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Is, I'm thinking this is a basic question. Mm. And I don't know the answer, but I'm just curious to know why this. Yeah, yeah. And so but I just always felt like people would make fun of me if I raised my hand. I and feel asked like I was something. better than them at making fun. Well, that's good. So, so it was just gift. like, yeah,
2: so it's just like I wasn't worried about being picked on because yeah. like I I'm good at that. Right. So You were witty, you were quick with it. Yeah, like I grew up with like Scottish women. So I just had to find a way to keep up. And then I think once I was able to kind of keep up with them, I was like, okay, I got this no matter what. And then I was just kind of like, my parents, I give that all the credit to my parents. Like we had dinner every night and they just listened to me. Mm. And I think when you just listen to a kid, they start to feel like their words matter and what they have to say matters. And I think if you don't listen to them, they go, why does anything I say important at all? Right. If the people that love me more than anything in the world don't even care what I say, why would a stranger care? Ooh. I, I really think as I look back, I think that's where it came from. Like every day, that was like my open mic. We sat down. How was your day? This happened. Duh, duh. My dad's laughing. You know, my mom's laughing. My brother's laughing. And it was just like... I mean, I would sit down at dinner like I'm about to bring it. Like, <laughs> y'all ready? Like, yeah. like,
1: you got your hat out for tips? Yeah. You got like,
2: at. dude, I don't know. I guess. Like, I don't know. I just, I guess, I had that confidence. Like, even when I would go through like therapy or something like that, like I'd walk into therapy and and like I'd have the session and I'd walk out like that was your best. Like, like <laughs> you just had a great. Do I have to pay you? Like, wow, do I have to you pay you? Like, yeah. Like, yeah, come on. Like, be, be honest. Like, like, what are we doing here? Dude. Now, now that doesn't. Now there is a, I guess what I'm saying is there's a balance. So in order to be great, you need to have like a a crippling anxiety about your, your skill level. I Mm. think not crippling, but you need to have like intense scrutiny Mm -hmm. and you also need to have the confidence to do more. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just this like crazy balance. Like you need to have the confidence to say something and you need to have the insecurity to improve. And that balance I have, like, I'll be- Not think you're the best and you don't need to work on yourself. Exactly, that is the worst. Those are the worst people. So it's like, think you can be the best. And there are moments where you're like, yeah, I'm the best. And then there's other moments where you look at your thing and be like, oh, I can make that better. Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing that I've ever looked at that I've gone, I can make that better. I can't make that better. Everything I nitpick at. Oh, you gotta take me out of the room sometimes. Like, 100%. That's the beauty of stage. Mm -hmm. Like, That's why I need the crowd. The crowd lets me know if it works, you know? Like the Mm -hmm. crowd, if they're just going crazy and they're losing it, I go, okay, that is funny enough.
1: What if they're all, you know, choking on their laughter, they're crying, they're on the floor because they can't you know, hold themselves up. Everyone is on the floor dying of laughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're gonna say to yourself, I could have been
2: better? Well, it depends. It, I mean, it depends. Maybe not. May I'd be like, okay, maybe that joke is getting enough right there, or right, right. this. But pause, the whole set, this...
1: you could have done something. Yeah, yeah,
2: I guess what I'm saying is like, there's like a ridiculous. I don't even know if the word is insecurity, but it is. In, yeah, sometimes I'll watch things. and I'll be like, oh, I'm insecure about how I could look right there, but it's more of just like a a brutal honesty about in a high expectation for greatness. So it's like, mm. this is what I believe greatness is. And this is where I think that joke is or my performance is or that bit is. And it's like, what can I do to get there? Uh-huh. And to be honest, sometimes it's like so I can be so harsh. I have to not watch for a little. Right, right, right. Let the stew yeah. cook a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because if I just keep watching <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna lose faith in it. Right. I have to like let the it's almost like fake confidence put the air under my wings to get it to the point where it is good enough, and then I can scrutinize it. Mm -hmm.
1: But yeah, I've never had that feeling of like, I shouldn't say this. Do you think a comedian can be truly great without being somewhat insecure? No, no, because you won't get
2: better. You need insecurity. I'm like grateful for it. Mm. Like you need the insecurity. You need to look at somebody and be like, oh, they do this better than me. I need to get better than them. I remember seeing the comics. Like, this guy is unbelievable. Another level. Yeah. Like, I remember the first time I saw Patrice O'Neill. He was the only comic I've ever seen live, and I've seen them all, that I was like, I, I don't even like saying these things out loud. Because I be- once I say something, it can happen. Mm-hmm. But it was the only comic that I ever saw where I was like, I'm not even going to say it out loud.
1: But <laughs> because it <laughs> You but don't it, want to manifest yeah, it. Yeah, I yet. don't
2: believe in that. But like, mm-hmm. I mean, I believe in that very much. But I, I, I don't want to put. But I was like, this is going to be hard to be better than
1: him.
2: That's that's kind of how like I that's feel. a
1: standard you have to get to. Yeah, yeah.
2: And now there's there's multiple things going on. There are comics that are so great at what they do, and it would be really hard to get better than them. They just might not have had the style that I want it's to be great style. at. Yeah. yeah.
1: So like, so they're great at what they do. I just don't want to do that. You can appreciate it, but you're like, I'm not in that league. That's not it's a different it's not league. what I do. It's a different type
2: of art. You know? Yeah. You're so.
1: playing football. They're playing handball. Exactly. Remember, yeah. Yeah, Hamble. <laughs> Who plays Hamble? Who dedicates
2: a decade of their life to Hamble? Me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I, yeah, it's interesting. The confidence thing is interesting. Man.
1: When have you been the most insecure? Mm-hmm. When you were starting out and trying to figure things out in the middle of your career? Obviously, maybe you're more in the middle now, but I mean, or towards this stage of your career, um, What part have you been the most insecure? It fluctuates, right? Like
2: I've always balanced, uh, I've always had like methods to like maintain self-esteem because I recognize like I was the best version of myself when I felt good about myself. What are these methods? I mean, like even as a kid, I I was like really curious about it. Like I looked into it. Like as a kid, I don't know where I even got this idea, but as a kid, I'm talking about like young, like seven, eight, maybe middle school or something like that. If I had a negative thought about myself, I would tell myself three positive things. Mm. And I think you know what it was? I had, like, I had like an acute interest in this because both of my parents battled depression. So I was way more aware of depression and way more aware of, it's probably part of the reason why I'm a comic. Like I just love making my dad laugh. You know, and I was like, I didn't realize that like there was a difference between depression and just not having fun. So I thought like I remember when he'd be like dealing with depression I'd take him to like the comedy cellar and I'd be like hey look you're gonna laugh So now everything's good. Yeah, cuz in my mind it was like all I need to do is be with my boys and laugh and then everything's fine And like so I would do those things. What was another method for
1: developing self-esteem?
2: So like as I as I got into stand-up, right? It was brutal because you do these horrible shows and you just do bad. No one's laughing and you're trying to develop your voice and all That kind of stuff. What do I need to maintain? like the self-esteem necessary to continue going. And I basically said, I need one great show a month to remind me that Mm. I should do this. How many shows were you doing a month? I mean, I could be doing, you know, five, six, seven, eight a week. But I needed one where there was like an audience and I did a good job and I killed. And it was just enough, like oxygen. It was enough. Like You ever play those like car racing games where you pass a checkpoint, you get 25 yes. more seconds? Like yes. that's, I needed one of those a month. And then I needed to reflect on improvement. Mm-hmm. So I think that like, one thing with me is I would get so used to improvement that I wouldn't count it towards my self-esteem, right? Like I'm the type of person, I don't get excited before something happens and then after it happens, I don't celebrate it for that long because we got another thing to do. Mm-hmm. So my like celebration window is small. Right, I, my joy matrix is the journey. Like I yes. like working together, I like achieving these things, et cetera, but then there's always another thing that we move towards, right? So I had to sit there and be like, okay, well, back in the day, you didn't have a joke that you could open with. You had to get lucky that there something would happen and you were interacting and the audience liked you. Now, you have a joke that no matter what gets a laugh when you walk on stage. And I'd be like, oh, that is an improvement.
1: And then the mm. next moment, no. you so have ref- a closer. The reflection of the improvement. Yeah builded self-esteem, Yeah, not just okay, it's a little better and I'm gonna keep go, 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 yeah. it's like okay. Now I know that I can always get someone to laugh every time I yeah. go on stage. It's easy to just go, oh yeah, you're more comfortable. What does that mean? No, you you have the ability to
2: go on stage and do a joke and like execute it and you That's have a cool. closer. You have this certain thing. You mm-hmm. You were able to develop this premise into a joke and like just remembering that I was improving,
1: even though it was a brutal process, mm. right? How long did it, so you're doing what, 15, 20 shows a month sometimes, and you're like, if I get one decent show, it's a win and I'll keep going. Yeah. But if you went three months where no one's laughing and you're just bombing, you're probably like, I'm done. Yeah, I don't know if I ever would have quit something mm. that I loved, but there's a chance that I wouldn't love it. Well, if it's so, not fun. Yeah, exactly. Why would you, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Interesting, was, yeah. There, a, was there another strategy you used? I like these two.
2: I would just be, like, really perceptive about, like, the different things. I mean, I, I'm so, like, in my head about these things. I'd be like, ooh, when I wear a hat, am I looked at different? Is this haircut different? Does this match? Does wearing this outfit change things? And, like, of course, it's like, oh, yeah, I wore this sweatshirt instead. I need to wear sweatshirts. That's the thing. Like, right, I was right, right. constantly <laughs> going through it and, like, starting to make sense of every little change that happened. And uh-huh. the reality is, like, most of these changes might have had nothing to do with it, mm-hmm. right? These were, like, you know, outliers. Like baseball
1: superstitions. Like, yeah. they are just wearing the same underwear over that's
2: over, it yeah. 100%. But I was aware enough to go, okay, you know what? Smiling when I first get on stage is pretty good and uh, it makes people feel comfortable and feel kind of safe, especially if I'm going to do like some wild joke. Mm-hmm. Oh, when I go right on stage saying something immediately might be good. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always hated the first second on stage. Like the first minute I hate. I think it's stupid still today. But no, now it's it's great because people know who I am
1: and they love it. They're like no, a raw oh, board. We love They're here. excited. Is exactly. The, is it better to have the um, what do they call them, the MC or whoever is MCing the show, is it better for them to give you a great introduction or kind of like, all right, our next guy is a comedian from here and let's bring him on. Is it better to have like some good context around, oh, he's been on Comedy Central and he's been on here and this HBO special and it's kind of like building up and then you're let down?
2: I I, I remember when I was younger, I went on stage after someone gave me a fake credit. And this happens a lot of times in comedy. Like, what do you mean? Like when the host brings up a comic that they don't even know, they just say, you've seen them on HBO, Comedy Central. They might have never been on Comedy Central. It's just, just what it is. Wow. And, uh, but I, that was the first time anybody ever gave me that. So And you knew you weren't on Comedy Central or whatever it was. But I was filled with so much confidence. <laughs> yeah. And I just in now, if I look back, maybe look at the recording, maybe I did absolutely horribly, but in my mind, I was I walked I'm up as if I had my own show on Comedy Central. And these people That's should just enjoy it.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. You know, there's something that I did, uh, a strategy that I did when I was playing sports. Yeah. I had an alter ego that I would step into. Yeah. It wasn't me. Yeah. And I'd never cr- done those things of the alter ego, but the alter ego had done the incredible things. Yeah, and I would step into that on as like I got this, you yeah. know, and I would yeah. lean into that. Yeah, so it I do if that's if that's a psychological 100%. trick. Yeah, it works. You study psychology in school, right? Yeah, you, at Santa yeah. Barbara, is that right? Yeah. Did you learn anything from your psychological studies that allowed you to not manipulate audiences, but tap into the psyche and the heart and the emotions of audiences? Or did you learn that from just, like, family dynamics?
2: I think probably it was more, I mean, just psychology was just, like, a really fun thing to study. I knew I wasn't going to use my degree for anything. So I was like, let me enjoy what I'm learning about, maybe get some cool information I can Mm -hmm. use in conversation. It was great, like, talking to people about, like, psychological principles is, like, always awesome. And, you know, and then, like, seeing them reflected in yourself is really cool. So I just kind of enjoyed it. I'm sure some of that has trickled into the comedy. It has to have. But... But in terms of like going, I'm going to turn psychology into comedy,
1: I don't, I don't think that that was ever perspective. When did you have the idea that you wanted to do comedy as a perf- full-time profession? Not just like, oh, I think I want to try this on the side and see how it goes. I,
2: did a, I think when I moved back to New York, I started managing a restaurant back in New York and I was like, this is not for me. And I started doing comedy again and I think something just clicked back in New York where I was like, I think I'm going to do this. At like 22, 23? I think I was like 23. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, maybe it's 23 or something like that. I was like, I think I'm going to do this. And then I just get obsessed. I almost missed that obsession. I had like an insane obsession. I mean, dude. Tell me more. I mean, just read every book. I would transcribe every set. Like I, really? I'm i sure somewhere there's notebooks of literally like handwritten every word that Chris Rock would say in a whole special. Dave Chappelle was saying a whole
1: special. You would record it all down and read it, so at it. So I could could see how the jokes were broken down. The structure, the framework, the the setup, everything. The plot twist, all of it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a story. Oh, this is something that isn't real. Oh, this is misdirection that doesn't make sense. This is Mm. misdirection that still operates in reality. Oh, wow, misdirection that operates in reality is actually more fun because it's something that actually could happen. Ooh, I kind of like that oh, this isn't misdirection, this is more like using words that are kind of like fun and creating good mm. imagery, like just really breaking down what these different jokes are. The science of the set. Yeah, I need to learn the language, kind of like Spanish, like I need to learn the math of it first, and then I could break that. How long were you obsessed for doing that type of
1: you know, research?
2: I mean, like I would rewrite my set every single night. Like, i Is this I, for
1: years? Is this for six months? Is this for years?
2: I mean, just like so competitive wow so obsessed i mean like i i had an i'd like i know this sounds like weird and i'm not comparing myself to michael jordan or anything but like watching the last dance and seeing like Mm -hmm. the the like psychosis he almost had like in terms of how he treated people that he had beef with like i used to carry a card in my wallet of the people who were mean to me come on swear to god like of all the people in comedy that were mean to me i had their names on a card
1: What, what would you do with that information the like, beautiful just,
2: thing about, like...
1: Was this the chip on your shoulder yeah, that you would wear wearing? Yeah, yeah. See, well, what would you look Even at? To every, today,
2: I have beefs that aren't real, but in my head they're real. Like, everything in that doc about just, like, <laughs> what motivated him yeah. and what he needed to do to, like, turn it on. Like, his ability, I, for me, the, what, what I understood about the documentary was, like, he has the ability to turn on the switch. We talk yeah. about this, me and my boys. Like, mm-hmm. some people can't turn on the switch, right? And, like, he could turn it on, and he would do it every game. It's crazy, man. Some people can turn it on for the playoffs, but he could do it every single game if he wanted to. Like and that's Tom like, a, like Tom
1: Brady too. Tom could do it every game.
2: I would say that that is like a competitive advantage I have. Like if, I've, if it needs to get turned on, it can tur- get turned on. Like when we did that Netflix special, I mean we were working maybe like 120 hours a week or something, it was insane. I've never worked that hard in my life, it it killed me. I won't work that hard again unless I get paid a hundred million dollars. <laughs> right. Like, it was, Too much. now I, I should have outsourced more. Like I had mm-hmm. guys, Shouse to Mark Gagnon who uh, co-created with me, uh, Robbie Slovic, who's a great comic, and Efe Ilgai, who we brought on as well. But like, what we should have done is had a robust writing team like mm-hmm. all these shows like have. A team, yeah. Exactly. For me, I lost all the anger. Like I have no resentment to anybody who's a dick to me at all. If anything, you just feel a little bad because they're still in that same position. Interesting.
1: And they needed to be a
2: dick to someone who was like young and excited about comedy. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So, do you have any anger towards anyone now? Or beef with anyone? I'm sure. You're sure. Yeah, but you don't have a list anywhere. You just have it in the it's back up here. of your head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's up here. laughs> Mental list. Up to you. It's always up here. It's always. Man. That's good motivation for me. Yeah. But I feel like the comedy world, um, kind of like an. I feel like in my industry of people creating, you know, con- content that is trying to further people along, like yep. personal growth content. Yeah. At least from my standpoint, I feel like I'm in collaboration with everyone. Like I'm going to have everyone on my show. I'm going to yeah. promote them. I'm like I'm in abundance. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a book, let's promote it. You got this, like, cool. I don't care. Yeah. It seems like there's a similar collaboration mindset Absolutely. with comedians where you're all in the back room, just kind of talking, sharing ideas. You're we're very competitive. You, you, have, you are. We're very competitive, really.
2: But I think um, I think the first time you really saw this happen was on the West Coast when podcasts came out. Yeah. And the West Coast comedians have always been more industrious because they have to. New York comedians can make a living doing stand up at clubs. They can. They can. And that's a rare thing. What's a living?
1: 100 grand, 70 grand, 300 grand?
2: 50 grand, maybe something like that. This is like Like, three, four nights a week. No, this is seven nights a week they're working, doing spots. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now now they're doing 15 minute spots around the city. They're collecting 100 bucks here, 100 bucks there, 100 bucks there. They put together, they can make a living, but. For a lot of comics, even if they don't realize it, they just want to make a living. And what I always recognized was like, you'll never go befo- further than what you dream.
3: Ooh. So like if your dream
2: is just to make a living, you can't be the biggest act in the world. The goal is is how I work the GPS. Yeah. Like I have to say the thing and then my brain just starts getting me there. What's the thing right now? I want to find a way where comics can make just as much money by self-releasing their specials as they can doing it for networks mm. because the self release allows them to build up an audience that can be nurtured and turn into basically what i have yeah. my when you talk about being collaborative like i've always looked at my contribution in terms of like stand up is and just comedy in, in general is like i'm going to find out where the voids are in the game and where we can kind of a uh, curate our own lives and like be in control of our own careers. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to execute those. And then I'm gonna give it to teach, all of you. Teach, teach everyone how to do this it. This is yeah. for you. Like I tell yeah. everybody, like, sometimes young comedies is coming, well, you're doing these things and we don't want to be the thing. And I'm like, it's for you. Anything I do is for everybody. Yeah, I think you just, you get comfortable. You know, yeah. like you just get comfortable in your space. You have a deal with Comedy Central and like you think it's great to be on TV. When I grew up, I did Comedy Central, this is, Like, when I was coming up in stand-up, I thought I should have a sitcom. Mm
3: -hmm. Why?
2: Because that's what stand-ups did in the 80s. And I was like, do I enjoy acting? No. Right. So I don't want a sitcom. But I had it. I did it. You know, I did all the things that I wanted to do, but I realized this wasn't that much fun for me. Mm. So I had to focus on the things that were fun, and then those things would be the most fruitful. And Mm. basically what I've just been trying to do is go, hey, this is where the career is going and this is where things are going and you guys should do literally everything that I do and then do it better than me Mm. and then force me to think, yeah. "Yeah."
1: So what would be the five-step approach for someone coming in right now? Like if you could only do five things to help further your career, Mm -hmm. is it one first master your craft of of comedy? Yeah, don't even worry about anything else besides getting funny. Once you figure that out, let's say, and you're like, okay, I'm ready to go out there in a bigger way, is it get on you know, put your stuff on you, you know, put your stuff on YouTube, YouTube.
2: Instagram, TikTok. Like
1: create a presence for yourself yes. and like use that algorithmic push. Okay. So once you do that, yeah, what would be the next three things to really accelerate their career? Literally You've gotten funny, you're on social media putting your stuff out there. If
2: you're genuinely funny, like what what I would say is undeniable. Yes. And those are there are different levels of funny. Like some people are funny in in like some weird bar in Brooklyn. Right. But are they funny at the New York Comedy Club. Are they funny mm. at the Comedy Cellar, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're undeniably funny, and we all know who those people are. Like, if, if you're not even, like, that's the thing. We all talk about, like, who our favorite comics are and blah, blah, blah. If you're not killing, you're not in the discussion.
1: Gotcha.
2: So this, we know who kills, and we know who's like, oh, that's really clever, that's really funny. That one joke was funny, yeah. Killing or not. If you're not, if you're killing, and you have social media, there's nothing else you need to worry about. Everything else will come to you. That's
1: it. That's it. Just focus on that.
2: We did all the hard work for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all been done. Yes, yes. Like, literally, if you're killing, and you then, have social media. Because then,
1: what can you do? How can you monetize from there? And how, how much could you monetize? Social
2: media, what happens is like, I mean, you could do, obviously, podcasts is great if you're good at podcasting. Mm-hmm. But, like, a lot of people do podcasts. Now. A lot of them. I mean, and how many comedians have a podcast? Every now? comedian has a podcast. A million? Now. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it will be a new form of social media. I love this because, mm-hmm. like, I think the more people that enter the genre, the the more people listen and watch, mm-hmm. and then those people see who the real. Right. You ones rise up. To
1: like, I, my uh, School of Greatness will be nine years next week. Yeah. I don't know when did you launch your show, the podcast? Well, dude, I, I've been doing uh, Brilliant Idiots with Charlemagne the God. Yeah, he's great. I've had he's, him on. He's
2: the man, dude. He's awesome. Uh, he is truly great he's truly a great yes and uh I don't know like but we were early in podcasting early
1: so yeah around me nine years ago you think I would like, say around I think yeah. yeah 2013 January is when when I was anyways yeah I would say it was the second wave Rogan was obviously the first big you know yeah. wave and yeah. like the tech podcast Mark Marin too Mark Marin but then it was like Ted tech, po- tech podcasts, and and that was pretty much it you yeah know? it was a few yeah I kind of came like second wave, maybe two point five, you know, yeah. and then Serial came, and which Forget brought the wave yeah, of everything crazy. else, of true crime and all that. Adnan those. said. exactly, and, right? right? and then yeah. um, and then a lot of the comedian podcasts and business podcasts and interview shows and political stuff came in probably yeah. five, six, seven years ago as well. And uh, I remember thinking, oh gosh, is this going to get too saturated? Yeah. But really, what it did is it just brought in more audiences to find the best stuff. And so, if you're willing to be consistent and kept yeah. improving, then you'll be fine.
2: I learned that from my from my mom, and maybe that's why I'm so generous with like the guys and I like make it on you know, on the internet. But like, my mom would have this dance studio and she would have all these teachers. Uh, Literally, every dance school in New York is started outfit. by someone who used to work for my mom and dad. Right. And then they start their own school. And I was like, doesn't that bother you that like they're taking the students, whatever? And they're like, no, it's great. And I was like, why? He was like, well, one, competition is great for business. Mm. And two, more people mm. can go do it. And that's the natural course of things. Like, they had no resentment. Like, there's certain people who, I'm going to sign you to a non-compete, and you can't do this, and oh, uh, you, you, you train people at my gym, and if you leave my gym, I'm going to sue you, and you're going to have to pay me $50,000 to go train people. Like, this stuff really happens. Yeah. And my parents were just like, no, just go do your thing and have fun. And, and, and they'd still, like, hang out with them.
1: Wow,
2: and and I think there's. As you something do that, if that? you had
1: like this young like comedic yeah. mentee, and then you brought them up, and then they went and did their own thing. I
2: want, I want. Look, I, in the ideal scenario, I want them to be able to do everything that they want and help them. Yeah, like I don't think like I, the way I look at these things is like how can we all do and accomplish our greatest dreams, yeah. right? And then. What I want to do is create, like, the Avengers crew mm. and eventually go, yo, once every three years, like, we're going to put out another special like we did. Or once mm. every two years, we're going to make a movie together. Once every-. And then in the in between, they're doing their cool projects. They're putting mm. out their specials. You know, they're mentoring other people. But, like, the people that I curate, like, I have a tight-knit group, and these are my guys. And I plan on working with them until I'm done working. These guys go on tour with you, right? Uh, you yeah. About? Yeah, so they go on tour with me, and uh, well, Akash has his own tour right now, <laughs> yeah. but Mark is opening up for me, and Mark uh, eventually will have his own tour. But like, when we do arenas, I want Mark there, and I want Akash there, you know what I mean? And Derek is opening for us as well, and like, mm-hmm. I want him there. Like, these are the guys that I wanna build with. Yeah. But I also want them to achieve all their dreams as well. If they became, you know, five, 10 times bigger than you, how would that make you? Great, feel? awesome. Yeah, this is the game.
3: Yeah,
2: you know what I mean. Like now, I, there's going to be a part of me that's going to go, "Hey, I want to get bigger too." How do mm-hmm. I do it? Depending on where right. I am right. in, in in career, like if I see somebody doing something really good, and I and I want to also do it, of course. Just as I'm sure, like them seeing me inspires them to do it. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah,
1: this is this is the game, man. Hundred percent. How do you think it'll change in the next two years by 2024? Where will the industry of comedy be? What will have changed, what will stay the same, and where would you guys be innovating?
2: I think we'll figure out a way to make money because right now everybody's putting their specials on YouTube.
1: It's put for free or they're charging For free. For free. And just making money on ads or no money. You make money on the road. So you build the audience, and and then you sell tickets. It's like the old music model.
2: That's kind of how I modeled the Mm -hmm. stand-up thing. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, what's going on here? Oh, okay, all these artists back in the day, they didn't make money off the albums, really. They would make money when they would tour and do these arenas. I was like, oh, well, we can make money by touring. How can I get people out? Okay, I give them the content, and then they'll come out because they like the content. Mm -hmm. And um, I would say the the biggest fundamental change, like maybe my influence on stand-up, it's probably looked at from the outside as like, oh, this is like the social media era. But I would say like the actual fundamental change in stand-up is the way that we approach our material. We used to look at our material as this thing we hoard and then put out for a special. Mm-hmm. Now we look at our material as marketing for
1: us. Right. And that is a big shift. Why did people hoard so much? Because they didn't think they could recreate new jokes and all the time. Or there people was no saw incentive
2: be- not to mm-hmm. put it. There was no place to put it out, so right. you might as well hoard it. Right. And then have all of that material. And then when you get asked to do a special, use it, then you do it. But like, there wasn't a place to even put it. Like you could have put it, I guess, on Instagram or Facebook and that kind of stuff, but there wasn't like the thirst for video
1: content. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then
2: all of a sudden video content started to get more popular and we figured some things out. But like, that would be the biggest fundamental change I think that has happened in in standup, at least my influence. It was just how we look at our material. Mm -hmm. You want people to come out to your show? Is it because your face is like this on a flyer?
1: or it because you're doing a joke. Making people laugh at home or on the,
2: yeah, wherever. Yeah, like these people, it's so funny. Like these people do like promos for their specials that don't have stand up. And it's like, mm. buddy, if I'm gonna go to a restaurant, you gotta show me what the food looks like, right? right, right. I'm not going there because there's a picture of the chef going,
1: yeah, and if a friend's like, oh, I bought a ticket to see, you know, Andrew's special in LA th- tonight, and they're showing their friend, oh, who is this guy? Well, let me show an on Instagram real quick. Oh, it's pretty funny. This looks like it'd be fun. Right, this Boom, is the whole set. reason
2: why I started selling tickets is because it was easy to justify it to your friends. Mm. Hey, you want to go to this comic club? Well, who is he? One send button, one clip. Check out this funny clip. Oh, I got a million views, by the way. Everyone's laughing. And what if I got hundreds of clips that have a million views and each one of those clips could pertain to a different person. So if you're Cuban, right, right. there's this Cuban. If you're Bosnian, there's this Bosnian joke. This happened by luck. Not everything really? that we're doing. Yeah, like when idea. did this start happening this way? What, <sighs> like, okay. What year was this? So I put out, No, none of the industry wanted to give me opportunity for a special, so I decided to put it out online. And I What once, year? Uh, maybe I don't know. 2016 or something okay. like that. So I can look back. So seven years ago. six Six yeah. years ago, seven years ago. And sometimes you get lucky when you do the right thing. Everybody successful is lucky, mm. you know. Like yeah. even Bezos, like this, this. There's like they they had that uh, Amazon Web Services business. Yeah. Like yeah. I think I was I was listening to him talk about that. He was like that was like the biggest. They had that for point. seven years or something like that with no competitor. Uh huh. Name yeah. a business that you right. can be making no. tens of millions of dollars where no one even enters the market. Right. Tens of billions or something. Yeah, yeah. like. Yeah. And even to this day, that's where they make so much of their money. So like, he'll be like, yo, we got so lucky with it. He had an
1: obsession for 20 years, which you had an obsession for 15, 18 years. Takes both.
2: What happened was this is, so the first one I put out was this, it was like a a night in New York, right? It was like, I don't wanna, here I am in front of the curtain, (laughs) like whatever, just so everything's the same, right? So I was like, what if you followed around a comedian for a night in New York? You can't put out a video that's gonna make multiple seven figures.
3: There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home.
1: One video. One video, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's the Cumulation. accumulation yeah. will make seven yeah, yeah, figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But your one which video would, Which is what you would have got on a special. Like you're going to make a million bucks or three million on this Netflix, on this HBO yeah. Showtime special. So the
2: last one that I, the, the one that I sold before the pandemic that is going to come out, I sold it. I, I got paid 1.1 for it, right? Okay. Which was before the pandemic worked out for me. It was before you
1: became a ma- way bigger than you were. Yeah, the pandemic was awesome. Like so, if you would have gotten that deal now. They got a good deal, put it that they way. They got an amazing they deal. They got an amazing deal. So
2: that one right there, I'm Which like, network is this coming out? With? I can't exactly okay, talk it's about not that out yet. We'll talk so, a- after. Okay, you tell
1: me afterwards. We'll talk. Okay, afterwards. so anyways, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You got that before the pandemic. <laughs> so uh,
2: yeah, so that was before the pandemic, and then I filmed that in like September in Austin, and then so we're we're just finishing up the edit for that now. But that special, I'm going okay, one point one, okay, that's great let's see if I can, how do I make a million dollars off a special without a network? Mm-hmm. Because that's my whole thing with like leverage in the game. Like I know I'm not one of like the, the, the insiders, right? Yes. Like, and everybody wants to reward the people that they helped build. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's a natural thing. Like if I was at a network and I invested time into these like actors or like comics, like I would want them to blow up because mm-hmm. their reflection of me as like a talent scout, right? Now I'm in the position where like, I don't want my career to be in your hands. Yes, my career is in my hands. We have the team. Everybody who works for us is in it. We do it, and the way that you get deals done when your career is in your hands is it has to be the best thing that's out, and then the so network undeniably funny, undeniably funny, and then the net. And you need Scooter Brown to Scooter also the yeah. call. And <laughs> yeah, say, yeah, yeah. Uh, We'll do yeah, whatever yeah, you want. Yeah. Ted Sarandos, book yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but like, it has to be undeniable. Right. And you have some people that are in some high places that recognize that it's undeniable. And then all of a sudden these things get made. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm okay with that. I'd I'd rather that because I can control undeniable. I can't control whether you like me or not, or like what metric you're using to decide or how much you put it up, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I'm all about working with the industry. We can do this, et cetera. This is great. But I want to find a way where I can get a comic to make a million dollars off of their special. Without being with a network. By putting it on YouTube. Because if we can make a million dollars on YouTube, what are you going to pay me at Netflix? Right. What are you going to pay me? You're going to pay me five, ten x TikTok, yo. Know? You know, so I don't know if it's a combination of advertising, a bunch of other different things. We've got ideas, and this is kind of like what we're working on, but, like, how amazing would that be for a young comic whose only option is now YouTube, but YouTube slash social media, Instagram, etc. Mm-hmm. But now mm-hmm. that
1: becomes the most lucrative option. If you did a... Global one-night event only, virtually. Or how many tickets do you think you could sell? Under 50 bucks. Who knows? Who knows? I, I think you're thinking something good. Pay-per-view is good. This is the number. You, know, I you, mean, you stream it live on YouTube to a premium service. Could do it. To, to uh, ticketed services. You could do and it. And then you ask for donations during it.
2: If you like it, enjoy it. You, and know? you just
1: added a tip jar. Yeah. More. Maybe you rent out some movie theaters. You there put it you out there
2: so people can watch it. You know, in a packed theater with other know. people,
1: event. event. Well, or you just do it straight to YouTube and that's it.
2: Straight to YouTube. You sell some merch with it. Yeah. And you some upsells. Play. You got
1: some VIP stuff. You make one night. You do it once a year. Yeah.
2: And maybe you do it once a year or whatever you've been able to do it. But, like, what if there was this model where commerce could make an equal amount? And the most important part is everybody that then subscribes to their channels, mm-hmm. they get to go tour with and like Mm -hmm. give them their new content. Mm -hmm. And now they have this connection with their audience, which is the most powerful thing that a creator can have now, right? Right. Before it was the network has a connection to the audience and the creator needs to be on the network so they can get the audience. Now we can go around and I'd love doing business with them. Let's Mm -hmm. do business, let's make movies, let's make TV shows, let's do all this is great.
1: But it's gotta be the other way. Other way. I got the audience that you want now. You want people to subscribe to your network? Yeah, and convince me. Why should I go over there? Cause I got millions of people. I got
2: 10 million people gonna watch it over here. How many gonna watch it over there? What? Well, we can't guarantee. Well, you better figure it out. <laughs> you better push something. Hey, you know what I mean? <laughs> push a button, yeah, exactly. top 10. Exactly. (laughs) Get it on a list, bro. Like, nobody's checking the numbers. Like,
1: get it on the list. Exactly. Give me 24 hours in there or something. Yeah. That's it. Like,
2: that is. you can leverage for the next thing. Yeah. I I just think that that is the most. It's like my mom said, it's like competition's good. That's going to be good for Netflix. Mm -hmm. That's going to be good for HBO because what's going to happen is, and this is what happened in comedy. There's way edgier comedy Mm -hmm. out right now Mm -hmm. because we have an avenue for it that's very successful. Because. If they don't, they're comparing it to the watered down stuff. They're mm-hmm. comparing like our stuff to the watered down stuff that was okay back in the day. I mean, one of the reasons why I think I blew up on YouTube and stuff early is because like the only other comedy they were showing was on Comedy Central.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it was just a bunch of like clean crap. And then you saw like actual real jokes. Right. And
1: you're like, this is way better than the garbage I'm seeing on Comedy Central. Sure. What's the difference between clean crap and authentic truth?
2: Well, some people are authentically clean, you They're know. Authentic, like, yeah. Like, like Brian Regan is just so funny; he's clean. Right. He's just, he's just brilliant. But I mean, he's, 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 yeah, he's just he, he's, he's, he's never blue. He's never cursing that kind of stuff. But like, there's like a passion
1: in the bits mm-hmm. that is like real. Yeah. Right? And so then, you still find that really funny.
2: Oh yeah, like some of my favorite, like one of my favorite comics is Ryan Hamilton. He's completely clean, but he is just hilarious. Like I don't care if you're dirty or clean. It's just right. who are you? And like, are you reflecting the material? And do I like that person? Some people I just don't like who they are, so I'm not going to like their comedy. Right, right. But if I like you as
1: a guy or a girl, and you're reflecting the material, then like you're, hell yeah, you're 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 down with it. What would you say is the ultimate framework of a set? If you had a, um, if you could map out like the five parts, out of and I don't know anything about comedy. You're so talking I'm about just a live a f- show or a special? A live show. If there is someone here that's like. Wanted to be obsessed about your process and yep. understand how you do it. And they wanted to research you and they listen to this, or watch this. And I'm like, yep. okay, here's how Andrew does this. He always starts with something, and then it goes into a plot twist, and then it goes into this. This isn't uh, how I connecting to the audio. I, I don't yeah. know what the lingo is. I'm just
2: this isn't how I necessarily would do it, but I think like a great set would be. Especially like if you're on the road or in a different place. I think like some sort of acknowledgement of that city that you're in that Mm. you're a fish out of water in, an acknowledgement in like a in a cool, unique way, a joke that they've never heard about maybe the most popular thing in their city. So number one, acknowledge the city in a cool way. Some sort of interaction baked in with the audience that's just completely spontaneous and just fun and awesome and uh just really kind of brings everybody into this moment that they feel like will
1: never happen again and is just so when like, you, exciting. When you get on stage and you're, are you observing the audience from the, uh, the back before, are you in another room hearing? You know, what's-
2: I, I don't even like to hear anything that's on stage.
1: Because okay. you don't want to be uh, influenced. Yeah, influenced.
2: I, I want to go out completely blind. Blind. Yeah.
1: You won't even look to see the audience. And, like, see I might
2: be like, backstage watching the guys and like I'd, I'll peer in. Yeah. But I'm not like specifically like what do they say? What do they say? Exactly. Yeah. And I have my guys that open for me, so I know what they're gonna do, and I know our ideas won't mm. cross. When you're at a club in the city where you don't know who's on the show. That's where stuff you should probably watch a little bit. Because because, you don't want to say the same
1: thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Or even a topic like yes. it's the same. It's just because like we redundant. just heard this. Yeah. What about um do you have a certain approach to how you interact with the audience? Do you like, I look for shirt colors, I look for ethnicity, I look for couples, I look you know, are you thinking or is it just it just comes to you?
2: Yeah, it kind of just comes to me. I mean I always like I don't know, like I always just kind of tell remind myself to like trust my gut. Mm-hmm. So like just say the thing that I'm feeling. That's no good. matter how weird or uncomfortable or awkward it is. like what what are you feeling right now? And that works. Like that truth works mm-hmm. because other people are also curious about that.
3: Yeah.
2: And especially when when you're in a theater, it's a little bit different because everybody's like lined up like this. So there's you got three thousand people there. The people in the balcony can't see what the people in right. the front look like. So like when you're interact with him, you also have to do a little bit more description for everybody there. Mm-hmm. You know, Great context. But you're in a yeah. night if you're in a
1: nightclub and there's hundred people or fifty. So like sure.
2: this, and they could see that guy's shirt, that yeah. guy's face. Like everybody's so close, so that is a little bit faster the interaction. Mm-hmm. Like it's you could even you could even look at somebody and just kind of be like hmm and everybody else will look and be like laugh. Exactly, just because they're like, I would say, hmm, if I looked at that guy too, (laughs) right? Right? Like, so much of comedy is just like acknowledging this feeling that we all have, or acknowledging things that are right in front of our face that we haven't seen yet. You know, and that's, for me, it's like, what is the joke, you know, like, what is the joke that, That everybody should have said but hasn't said Mm. you know like about the most popular thing even like so it's like how can i get one of those for Mm -hmm. every single thing that's the challenge that's That's good okay
1: so that's the second part of the framework having yeah having just a great interaction
2: having like great long bits a Mm. lot of people that are unfamiliar with all my content don't know this about me but like most of them know, like, the crowd work stuff, et cetera. And that's the stuff that I've been able to, like, so you put, out put out. there, there and yeah. people are
1: laughing at it, yeah.
2: But that's stuff that, like, I'm not using for the set. So I have an hour of jokes, but that's the stuff that I can give the audience. That's because. the first
1: 15 minutes of just or
2: Or yeah. kind of, like, pepper through. But it was the only thing that I could give out every week. If I gave out one of these bits that I've worked on for six months, I'll run out. Because these bits, for me, when I do a bit, it's a chunk. Mm-hmm. It could be six minutes. Wow. So it's like... Everything all encompassing in this topic, six minutes, eight minutes, you know,
1: it's a full story,
2: yeah, like story or like, uh, or like an analysis of an idea, person, uh, place, or thing from every angle, justifying maybe the most absurd situation. Like, uh, the, the more absurd, the better. It, but that to me is like, I need a few of those uh, in the set where gotcha. you go, Oh, that bit, boom, oh, his. Abortion mm-hmm. bit or oh, his mm-hmm. Michael Jackson bit that like a few of them in there where you're just like You need to see his bit about this. interesting. So two to three bits Depending on how long I mean, I, I have right. a bunch throughout but there has to be a few in there that are like so memorable You have to see it. Mm. Like that's the feeling I want you leaving going I, I mean, I, I can't laugh can at that, him. That was crazy. Yeah. That was crazy <laughs> like that's how I would design the sets early on in my career I was just like even if you hated me for the first 45
1: minutes yes.
3: the last
2: 15 minutes you should be crying
3: Wow,
1: Because you have to leave on that, you know, <laughs> like do you ever experience self-doubt at this level?
2: Yeah, of course all the time before I go on I'll feel that way like is this joke even gonna work? Blah, blah Yeah, blah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Are you nervous like the day before? Or the you know twenty minutes before? Or how long? Depends on the
2: show. Yeah. You know what I mean. Like sometimes the whole day I'm thinking about it. Sometimes I'm not thinking about anything at all. Like it just depends. Like the thing that I want to accomplish. You know. It, yeah. It it depends. I put it this way. I'm much better to be around after.
1: <laughs> when you're done with the set like okay it's over Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> don't hang out with you before
2: t- no, I'll no, kind no, no, say no. of say how do you
1: after the show when I come watch you not like <laughs> I just leave everybody and I just go into the green room and I just like focus focus yeah. think about what I want to talk about try to remember the things and like have you ever gone blank in the middle of a 60 minute yeah. set? yeah all the time. What do you do when when you're like, "Oh, I'm not hitting anything. I'm going blank. I'm just mumbling here. What's the best way to get back on track?" One thing I'll do is I'll pretend like I had a thought. Mm.
2: Like, so
1: <laughs> I'm giving you some game. So I'll do like like this. this. I'll be like, I'll be like,
2: like, you know, I'll be like, "See, the thing is like I can't. I can't.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> and then the audience is like, well, what yeah, is what he thinking about? That? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> right, yeah. But like, I'll, I'll have like little games that I can uh-huh. play to
1: like stretch out. Sure, sure. Yeah. That's how long, good, how long, uh, you know, we can take those silences. Do you think having self-doubt is a is a good thing before? Yes, you need you it.
2: You need it. You need it. You need it. You need it. I mean, we talk so much about confidence, but yeah. like self-doubt, you need both. It's the combination of self-doubt and confidence. Confident yes. enough to do the thing and insecure or or doubtful mm-hmm. enough where you get better and, and like without both You cannot be great. I mean if we're talking about greatness like mm-hmm. every great person has self-doubt and that self-doubt is a, is a massive motivator But they have enough confidence to overcome it I think it's the people who lack confidence and have the self-doubt that they can't do anything They can't get out of their own way mm-hmm. and the people who have too much confidence and not enough self-doubt just never really get that great They're good like their lives are probably better. They're probably happier. Like, real talk. Maybe they're happy. Yeah. But I, I want to be great. Yeah. And that requires constant criticism of yourself.
1: Do you think a comedian can be a 10 out of 10 happy? I don't think people are. Hmm. Yeah.
2: I, I would say I'm on the happy end of the comedian spectrum.
1: You're generally a happy human being.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't... Put it this way. Like, I don't feel sad. I don't feel, like, angry. Mm. I feel a lot of gratitude yeah. and a lot of joy. And like, I I, I feel stress, mm. which I, I enjoy. And I, I feel like- so you're taking on big projects and- yeah, yeah, and like, you know, building things. And obviously there's disappointment and frustration, but I don't like wake up going like, I'm sad. Right. And I understand that people do that. Mm. And like, I felt, you know, I've, you know, I felt like uh, down or you come down off of certain big projects and you know, my parents bowed this. And I imagine people deal with that every single day. Like that could be incredibly difficult to overcome. No. I'm very lucky where I haven't felt it. And I've tried to curate a life and habits to keep me away from, it. like I need to do certain things. I need exercise. Like if mm-hmm. I don't exercise, I'm a wreck. I need to be creating. If I'm on stage, that works. If I'm putting out clips or something like that, mm-hmm. that works. Couldn't get on stage during the pandemic, but I felt very fulfilled. Yeah by putting out content and maybe I'm leaving myself in the hands of those people saying great job on Instagram. That's a little bit vulnerable, but I at least felt like I was doing something mm-hmm. and I understood the recipe to like my own like mental wellness. if you mm-hmm. will. But yeah, I, I don't think that you should be happy all the time because then you're not happy. You're just normal.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that, Yeah, you should feel normal enough so when you're happy,
1: you're really grateful. Yeah. You know, like... What are you most grateful for these days?
2: Oh, God. All of it. All of it. I got a great woman. and. uh, What's the thing you love about her the most? She hates when I say this, but, like, there's, like, there's, like, a great safety with her. I know that sounds like a weird thing because you're supposed to be the one that's providing Mm -hmm. the safety. But, like, there's, like, building with her feels I'm just so excited. Mm. You know, and that's not only, like, family, but that's also, like, emotional connection. Nah. Like, she's, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, she just, she just creates a great environment to, like, feel safe. Mm. What did you not feel safe about before? With her? I, I mean, just... I just never to, really... I, like, almost before. immediately, I felt, like, really safe with her. And by safe, I just mean, like... Uh, like to go, I wanna spend the rest of my life with you, like you gotta love that person and you yeah. gotta love spending time with them. That's not to say that we don't like get in arguments, but like genuinely speaking, like if there isn't distraction and it's just the two of us hanging out, it's an awesome time.
1: Yeah.
2: Life complicates things. Mm-hmm. But to me, I'm so grateful for that. And she's just awesome, like so in tuned, like you know, with what like I might need and I don't know I mean mm-hmm. she's just so great she's just like that's beautiful yeah it's and yeah it's just like really selfless in that way mm-hmm. like super and I know that I require a lot especially given my career and stuff mm-hmm. so like knowing somebody who's having somebody who's like knows that and is like aware of that and like and, and wants to give and like wants to to support is it. it's just like you gotta be grateful like mm-hmm. just so yeah it's a weird I know it's a weird thing like being feeling safe but like that's really important to me
1: yeah. Like, I want to be able to share. Without being judged or made wrong or yeah. not accepted or all these things. Yeah.
2: Right. yeah. Like, I just
1: tell her everything. And she accepts it. Yeah. That's beautiful.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if she accepts everything. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I just feel like I can share these things yeah. that, you know, might I might go, like, I might with somebody else who I don't feel is safe. Be like, ah, if I say that, will they not like right, me? Right. Or will they... You know, will they stop being in love with me or whatever? But, like,
1: with her, I just really feel like I want to build with her. Something about with my girlfriend, too, where when we first started dating, I was just – in my previous relationships, I would be 100% honest, and they would get hurt or upset or not like something. And then I would kind of, like, hold back 100% of the honesty because I was like, this is going to make them freak out for the night or whatever, right? Yeah. And so when I started dating her, I was like, okay, Martha, listen, you're asking me a very vulnerable question now. Are you sure you want the truth? Yeah. Because every woman I've been with in the past say they want the truth, but they couldn't yeah. handle the truth. Yeah. So I go, you sure? She goes, yes. You're not gonna like it. She goes, I want to hear it. I go, you're not gonna like it though. Yeah. But I'm just letting you know, but I'm gonna not abandon myself from telling you how the truth. Yeah. And I'd say it, and she'd be like, "That's it. I love that about you." And ah. I was like, "What?" And so the more I was able to do that with her, I was like, "Man, this feels safe." So I yeah. know that feeling. I've never felt safe in a previous relationship. Yeah. And I'm like, it feels amazing to be able to just say whatever I want to say. Yeah. Not something in a bad way. I'm not like saying something negative, but just say the truth. Yeah. My truth. Yeah. And yeah. be like, you yeah, know, okay. You know, yeah, I accept you. Yeah. It's
2: incredible, man. Yeah, it's
1: the best. It feels unbelievable. Yeah, you get to be yourself. It's incredible. And if you have to live with someone for the rest of your life, you better be you able to need, be yourself. You need that. Otherwise, it's going to be miserable. Yeah. You were mentioning about therapist last yeah. year, um, and i talked about this on my show, but i I went through a year of therapy okay. every two weeks, minimum, okay. for a year. I was getting out of another relationship that I was trying to make work yeah. with the therapy. It didn't work. Ended it, and I said, I'm going to stay in this and keep myself emotionally accountable yeah. to integrate the lessons I'm learning. So I don't repeat this Yeah, because I've been repeating this for 15 years. Yeah, And uh, the consistent therapy was probably the most powerful gift I gave myself mm. ever for one year. And I'm going to continue again for this year. Yeah, yeah. Incredible peace that I felt. How long have you done therapy for? Do you, you do really it? treat life like sports? I do, man. It's great. Life, business—it's all a sport, man. Yeah,
2: but like I don't know the way that I've like heard you talk about your life. It's like okay, here's this thing. I'm going to figure out this thing. Yeah. I'm going to practice this <laughs> yeah, thing, a, and I'm going to get. Great I'm going to get coaching. Thing. I'm going to get feedback. Yeah. I'm going to improve it. <laughs> I did it for this amount of time. The handball, there, yeah. even therapy. Yeah, You're really, like okay, I'm going to figure out this thing. It's really great. Yeah, man. It's really good. <laughs> it's yeah. Cool.
1: How long, when did you first experience therapy?
2: I think when I was like third grade or something, some teacher uh-huh. said that I should uh, go to therapy. Something I was like probably acting out. And okay. My parents were like, all right, go. And then I went. I don't really remember much from
1: that. Do you do it now, every now and then? Or is it oh, God, pass? I would love to, but I just don't. But I would yeah. love to. I love it. Well, because you've got an amazing audience that just, you uh, think they should be paying you. Best.
2: Like, what dude, is the best thing about therapy for you? Ah, just vomiting, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, just Emotional more, vomiting. Yeah, emotional vomit, And like getting all these like cool words that you then can like use in arguments with your girl, you know what I mean? Give me an example. Oh, like testing, <laughs> you know that word? Like, yeah, like you only test someone if you want them to fail. Like, Yeah, and, yeah like, you know, like, and like also like understanding why, uh, like understanding the emotions behind your behavior. Mm. You know, like sometimes I'll see a comic say something smarter than like who they are on stage. Like he's, he got that from, mm-hmm. he got that from somebody for 200 an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: like, yeah, I, I think it's just awesome. What was the biggest aha moment from therapy you've ever had? I think I worked out some stuff with
2: my mom in therapy. Mm -hmm. You know, like we always had like a kind of like interesting relationship. It's one thing falling in love with a
3: house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
0: Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.
2: Yep. But even that, like, I don't think it was therapy that really helped us with that. Just seeing my mom as like a, like a person that's also flawed. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Like, his yeah. parents are flawed. Yeah, like they not also Not to need, be perfect. Yeah, yeah like, uh, yeah, like the fact that like she could need attention and that could be important to her mm-hmm. and her self esteem.
1: Right, and, and not like, just you needing all the time. Yeah, as
2: a kid. yeah, thinking like I'm a kid, so it's it's about me and my brother. What do, why, do you, why what do you need? Why do you why do you need <laughs> to talk to dad? Like you know what I mean? Like you're done with that. Like, yeah. So and then like understanding that and like going, okay, I guess I can give you that gift. Mm. the gift of attention and like i guess that kind of worked but i just think therapy's great man just talk to somebody i mean if you have friends and if you have family like you already are doing it Mm -hmm. there just might be certain things that you're too embarrassed
1: to speak to your friends and family about well we grew up in the 80s and 90s and i was for me i don't know what it was like in new york i'm assuming it wasn't that much different unless you went to some like hippie preppy school or something everyone was like kumbaya all day yeah but if I put my arm around a teammate of mine, it's yeah. like, "Hey, what's up, bro?" Yeah, yeah. It was like, "Get off me!" with a you yeah, know some yeah, type of yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you said that, you were just made fun of. Yeah. And laughed at. At least for me. Yeah. And it's kind of the, the society of I guess young boys growing up, and I probably did the same thing to other kids because it was happening to me. Yeah. So you want to fit in? And yeah. Was that like that for you, or did you feel like you got to express your emotions and process things? I mean, I'm sure I went
2: through that. And I'm sure you want like your friends to like you and, and that kind of stuff. I don't remember too much trauma from like mm-hmm. jokes and stuff. Yeah. And I do remember my parents being like super open-minded and just like not, They, I felt no judgment from my parents. That's amazing. Yeah, and almost like like too little judgment. Like, <laughs> like, like I was like that. Anything you want to do,
1: it, you can do. Well, <laughs> like yeah,
2: like I was a B student. If my parents required me to be an A student, I would have been A student. Really? Yeah, like, I just, I, I wanted to impress them, but I knew that they were, like, happy enough with, like, Bs. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll just get Bs. Like, I just worked towards it, like, 85. I was fine. <laughs> Who cares? It is what it is. Yeah, like, I just yeah. didn't care. Like, even when I took the SATs, I just wanted to get better than my friends. Like, I didn't care what I got, as long as it was more than my boys. Yes. Because then we'd have fun, you know, competition. Sure, sure, you know, sure, like, sure, Anytime I did well in class was literally just because I didn't like the teacher. <laughs> That's the only time. Like I was like, I don't like you, so I'm gonna do well in your class to spite you. Yes, you know. But like, uh, yeah, my parents. I think one of the advantages of not having expectations is you always exceed expectations, and there's confidence with that. Like you always feel like these people are proud of you and you're doing a great job. You know, what's the disadvantage of that? You're not going as far as you can. I was very lucky where I had this kind of like internal, you know, uh, drive. Drive. yeah. Yeah. If you don't have that, then it's it's dangerous. And I had. The freedom to just go out. I said that to my girl. I was like, "You got like I'm the type of person like I work great with freedom. Like you don't give me any rules, I come back. Yes. You give me rules, I have to break them. Mm. I must break
1: them. Did she try to create a rule early on that you? No,
2: no. But like I just like I noticed when we were kind of getting together and starting Mm -hmm. to get a little more serious, and I was like, "You just gotta trust me on this. Yeah. Just like it's going in the right direction. I will not waste your time. I don't waste girls' time. I'm not gonna waste your time if I don't feel like it's going that direction. I'll tell you immediately."
1: Let it flow the way you need it to flow. Not on a timeline, not a this, not a structure, or a, yeah. Yeah, a yeah. number or whatever. Just let it go. Yeah.
2: And then once we moved in together... The
1: like, more freedom she gives you, the more you want to be with her. Exactly.
2: 100%. And it's a really scary concept. Because the idea is like, go out, do whatever you want. But like, I enjoy doing the things that I do and being myself. But the more I can do the things that I want to do and be myself, the more I appreciate the people that allow that to
1: happen. 100%, man. This was my girlfriend. now. Every night, I'm just like hugging her. I'm like, I appreciate you so much. Yeah. You don't call me and say, what are you doing? You're not checking in on something. Yeah. I can be traveling, uh, speaking somewhere, and you're just cool. Yeah. And it makes me love and appreciate you abundantly. Yeah. And I, and I tell her all the time, I'm just so grateful for you. Yeah. Because Well, also because I've experienced the opposite. And it's, you know, it's the worst. I have feeling of trappedness, which... I take responsibility for it. I chose those, I stayed in those relationships. Yeah. But I think if women understood, like if you find a good guy that yeah. you give that bandwidth psychological freedom to, yeah. I'm not saying they it's not okay to cross boundaries. Yeah. You know, but create the psychological freedom, it's amazing what we will do. It's it's really return.
2: true. And if we're gonna cheat, we're gonna cheat. There's and then nothing, you move on. yeah, but like it's not because you gave boundaries, you can't, or you can't stop it. Yeah, that thing is gonna happen. Yeah, so there's nothing really that you can do there. Like, and I think that women view our cheating in the same way that they kind of view theirs. Like, you know, I think a lot of times a woman's cheating is a reflection of like not feel, feeling fulfilled emotionally, right? There's like a, a void of love, mm-hmm. and uh, she's replacing that act of lust. This is like this momentary like serum for like a vampire. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this will do for the moment. I just want to feel desire because I'm not feeling that. And I think uh, a lot of times, guys cheating is just like, uh, just insecurity and I just need to fluff my ego. But you can mm-hmm. get that ego fluffed. You know what I mean? Like yeah. That ego can be fluffed at all. But if you have a guy who's insecure, oh, yes. you need to know that. Yes. like You know if your guy's
1: insecure or not. Absolutely. That's why, for me, I, know I don't feel like I have insecurity. Like. Well, because she gives they, you all the she gives me confidence tons of confidence, you need. tons of love, and yeah. But I'm also like, okay, if I don't know, she's an actress, so she's done scenes with Keanu Reeves and yeah. you know, all the big all the big people she's worked with, yeah. right? Yeah. And they've all hit on her and all this stuff, and I'm like, yeah. okay, if. I don't know, whatever. Keanu Reeves or someone came up to her now yeah. and starts hitting on her. Would I be insecure or jealous? I don't think I would be. Oh, no, not in front. In front of you is no, I mean, crazy. Behind the, I mean whatever. No, like, behind oh, behind the I scenes, on that's Saturday. nature. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like But I wouldn't be jealous. Because I'm like, you if want You want to be? I would not be jealous. Oh yeah, you I can don't be think jealous. Because I'd be like, okay, if you want if there's a better match for you, yeah. If that's a better life, then I want you to live a better life. I, I hear what you're it's saying. saying yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying, though. It's but if you don't see the value, like if your woman doesn't see the value you bring to her life, yeah, and she sees there's more value somewhere else, and, and she's always thinking about it, then yeah. either be where you are now or go over there. But yeah. don't be in between. So. Yeah. How has your craft been different? in this type of relationship versus single or in previous relationships.
2: I never changed my comedy depending on like the person I dated or if I was single. And mm-hmm. I never did that. And it was probably because I was able to get laid before I did comedy. Right. And I think that like, I have empathy to the guy who never got laid before they were on stage. Like, yeah, use it bro, like have fun, like wear the cape, like go for sure, it. Sure. But I just never felt like this was the only chance I was gonna have mm-hmm. to get laid. So it was all about the jokes. It wasn't clever enough. It wasn't unique yeah, enough. Yeah, it didn't have the silliness. Like you, every joke starts with like a serious point, but that's what I'm always fighting for. Where's the where's the silly thing? But like just having somebody on my team, like literally having someone who's like wants me to succeed, wants to help me with the things that I need to get done, like wants me, you know, just in every single way. That is massive. That feels awesome. And it's still frustrating. I mean, we had arguments. Right. And there'll be times where she's like, it's late. And I got to fly out. And she's like, what are we doing with all this club? And I, and I just got to be like, hey, listen, we're in this together. And yeah. there's going to be times where I got to stay up late for you. Right. And there's times you got to stay up late for me. But like, it we're not
1: boyfriend-girlfriend. Right. We are married. Like, We're a team now. I go get this money. This is our money. Who are the, uh, the three most inspiring comics today? Not like in the past, but today that you... Whether you're friends with them, or I'm assuming you guys all know each other, but yeah. that, that you're like, man, they're just, and I know you don't want to ruffle feathers and not say certain people, but if you had no, to pick like three, that. <laughs> you're the, uh, three, you're like, these people. They have people, to be alive though? Yeah, to, that are working, actively working in some way today. I mean, Bill Burr, mm-hmm. it's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. What, Dave, and one
2: thing, one thing about
1: yeah. each person. So what's the thing about uh,
2: Bill Burr just like found a way to like funnel his brutal honesty into like hilarious ideas. Yeah. And I think people really like that.
1: Yeah,
2: And uh, I like it and I just appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Okay. And
2: uh, uh, Dave Chappelle is just like, he's, he's really mastered the art of storytelling. There's people might argue, oh, I'm not laughing. He's really interesting. It's not as many like jokes per second or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. But the art of literally a story, no one does it better. Right. Now you're on Mount Rushmore with mm. these guys, you know? I mean, I've always been a Chris Rock fan. I know Chris Rock hasn't been as active mm-hmm. as of late, but, like, I've always just been a huge uh, Chris Rock fan. What's, um, what's the thing he has that you love?
1: He just kind of, like,
2: he, he got me on board with, like, kind of devil's advocate thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I always had those thoughts, <laughs> right? But, like, he was the first person I saw, like, do him well. And real, and he was first person. Was like, yo, you could think of an argument that doesn't exactly make sense, but it's funny. So that's mm-hmm. enough. And I was like, oh, I love doing this. I do this all the time. I do this with my friends, uh-huh. and like, you know, and the more somebody is like uh, locked into an idea, the more I want to like make that ground shaky, and it's just fun for me. So anytime he wants to kind of like pop in and 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 get busy with that, he absolutely can.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, I guess I guess I'm naming the
1: OGS to be honest with you, but so you said. On, one's honesty, the, the, the honesty that he brings, the other's a story, and the other's the devil's advocate, nature to it. Yeah, it's
2: just like the the, the ability to like make a cohesive argument mm. for something that isn't a popular opinion. Right. And Bill Burr does it great too, but like Rock, I think for me, was mm. just the originator. Like yes. I'm like fruit off of Chris Rock's tree, and then like I found Patrice, and I was like, oh, that's the exact way that I want to do it the model yeah mm-hmm. like everybody else I was like oh I like how you guys do this cause that's the thing I think with me is like it's hard you know usually with comics you could see like where they came from but I think one of the things with me is like it's hard for people to go I don't know what he sounds like I don't know what he it is sounds like himself yeah maybe but I I'm like you just don't think I sound like that big fat black dude right, you know right, cause right, I don't right. sound like him but I'm influenced so much by him mm-hmm. and like he's dead but like I for me, he's just the best. Yeah. He's the best ever. Elephant in the room, go check it out on Netflix. That's cool.
1: What's the thing? You know, that people are aware of and they see that they don't see. What's the thing you'll be most proud of? New Year's Eve, end of twenty twenty two? Personally, a year married. hmm That will be the eighteenth of December. That
2: for personal goal. Um and then, you know, who knows, man, like you never know what happens when you get married. Things happen, my boy. Oh, you know snap. what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not happened yet or anything, but like you know that. Yeah, you, know, you never know. You never know. Yeah. And, uh, okay. And uh, so I would be. I, that's personally uh, that would be yep. very gratifying. Mm-hmm. Um, professionally, I have my buddy Akash Singh is going to be putting out his first special on YouTube and uh, for free. Yeah, for free on YouTube, and he's also been putting out clips, and he's also been doing. And that's my guy, podcast co-host, like my best friend in comedy, and yeah, like. Yeah. So funny. seeing him, thank you, man, but like seeing him like start to rise and like that would be very exciting to me, like seeing his career take off in a similar way that happened for me. That'd be really cool. Um, dropping my special, mm-hmm. uh, wherever we put it. Not sure where yet. Yeah. Well, and maybe do, but you're not telling me we anything. Don't know. <laughs> we don't know. And then, but like dropping my spe- special and then obviously the goal is after this special is like I want to be able to do... I don't want to do like an arena tour where every place I do an arena, but there are certain places I want to do an arena. Like you I'm doing Radio MSG? City. Yeah, I gotta do MSG. Because I'm a kid from the city. That'd like I grew sick, up, man. that'd be yeah. sick,
1: man. I gotta come to that.
2: You gotta come. Like that'd we're doing sick. Radio City. We're doing two at Radio City. Wow. That's awesome. That's what, fifteen thousand or what is that? 12, I think that's gonna be like twelve thousand. Twelve thousand. Now, we could have done the garden at twelve thousand. But here's the thing. But oh, that's
1: expensive.
2: But like that's just rental, right? But yeah. here's the thing. If I do the garden. I gotta do it in the round. That's oh, nineteen thousand. That's sick.
1: Yeah. That's you, nineteen
2: thousand. Could you 000. sell it out? What? Radio City? No, we,
1: could you do nineteen thousand? Not sell it out?
2: yet. I think after this next special, if if what happens with the next special is what I think can happen, then boom. That would be very awesome. And like finding a time to now I might not do that show within the next year. Maybe it'd be a year after or right, something right, like that, right. but like working towards that that is I want to do the garden. Maybe Staples, maybe a theater in Miami or something.
1: Oh you mean uh, crypto.com now. Oh that's right, crypto.
2: Yeah, yeah. Dude, the way people were like connected to great. Staples.
1: Oh, it's 20 years of yeah. legacy, you know. But so like, like
2: it it's a store. Like
1: I know, I know. you know what I mean?
2: Like it's crazy. So loose leaf. I know. Right? Like, people are so furious. Like it wasn't called that before the store. I know. It was just a sponsorship. It's yeah. so
1: funny, man. But yeah, those would be So that'd be sick man yeah How, what's the biggest audience you performed in front of i did Whether uh, for your own show or you know with someone else's show
2: my own we did the chicago theater twice that's thirty five hundred, and uh that was pretty cool
1: that's that's respectable man
2: yes yeah, it's, it's, it's big it's cool man we've been hey man we've been having fun like this is a the tour has been for me i, I look at that as like the greatest sign of success you when know, people
1: buy a ticket with their wallet and they show up and they take a night out and they come see you, that's big. Put on clothes for someone, right? Like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like
2: it's like it's like it's easy to <laughs> and we're in like the click business, right? Like it, yes. but it's easy to, to click something, it's easy to like watch something for a few seconds. Yeah, of it's course. easy, right? Like but
1: But to get a credit card out and say Leave I'm the buy, house, like that's a big deal. So like if
2: I don't know, like for me. That's how I judge success, and that those are the people who I see that are successful in the space. I look up to them for those specific things. They're selling out tours. The podcast is like, I hope you find me funny on the podcast, and then you want to come see the stand up. For me, as a stand up who built my career around putting out stand up clips, yeah, it, it, it's a great, I have immense gratitude that people found me from doing stand up and they want to see me do stand up. That's cool, yeah. I think there are people out there who are, are popular, but. People don't have the same urgency to go see them. And that's reflected
1: in the tickets. I got to buy a ticket and go. Yeah. There's a question I ask everyone towards the end called the three truths. Okay. So I'd like you to imagine a hypothetical scenario. It's your last day on earth, many years away. You get to live as long as you want to live. Yeah. Um, And you get to accomplish all your dreams. Wow. Personally, professionally, you build up a thousand comedians to do whatever you want to do. You know, you do it all. Yeah. At every different season of life, you do it. Yeah. Healthy, happy, thriving, you know, yeah. 20 kids running around, whatever you want, you make it happen. And, but for whatever reason, all of your material has to go with you to another place yeah. when, when you leave. It's the last day and it, yeah. it goes with you to another place. Yeah. No one has access to your information anymore. Yeah. Your content, your stand up, your podcast, all of it's gone. Yeah. But you have three lessons that you get to share with the world. Oh three lessons that you've learned throughout your entire life, and this is all that people would have to remember you by or your content. Mm-hmm. What would you say would be those three lessons or would I like to call three truths?
2: I would say uh, one is listen. Hmm. I mean, just so much in my life, life I've learned from listening. So many decisions that I've made is from listening. Like, you know, just removing ego... It's so many of the decisions that even we make was part of my team. It's like, it's the best decision wins. Mm -hmm. And and that means you have to listen to the guys that you hire and empower them and make them believe in their ideas enough to the point where they can share them with you because oftentimes those ideas are going to be the ones that are better than yours. But just Mm -hmm. every conversation I've had and how that's turned into either conversations on the podcast or like stand-up clips or just anything. So just like listening... For someone who talks for a living and has talked a lot on this podcast, <laughs> but listening is just so huge. Mm-hmm. So like, just also, what a gift! Like that was the biggest thing that I like changed like my life almost. Like I remember just like during single days, realizing that once you get to a point where a girl is comfortable sharing with you, just listening to her.
3: Yeah. How was your day?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you do that? No way. Is that difficult? And just seeing their eyes light up that someone actually like i've had girls on dates go do you actually want to know like yeah i want to know like what is your dates usually like like just listening is just so powerful people usually don't feel safe enough to share mm-hmm. you know and that was something my my girl did to me she was just she's phenomenal at that but like mm-hmm. if you can get people to just talk man just listen so listening yeah that's number um, 1 number 2 you got to take care of the people that you love man Everybody like the people that that your family, the people that work for you, the people that like people that are doing things for you so that you can succeed, like they gotta feel taken care of. And like your generosity should show. Mm-hmm. You know, your your girl, your friends, your you know, family employees like that, they should feel like you go above and beyond for them. And Sometimes that's financial. Sometimes that's emotional. Sometimes Mm. that's like protecting them, like their literal safety, you know, their reputation. Sometimes it's like just helping them achieve their dreams. But like know that the people that are dedicating time to your dream make them feel like that time is valuable. Mm. And I think it's like you also take care of them by like acknowledging them. Mm. Like I try to shout out my guys as much as possible and like. When I, anytime we're talking about things that I do, it's, like, things where, where we're doing. Like, everybody's involved yeah, in this. Absolutely, You know?
1: hmm
2: And uh, the last one is um, love, bro. Yeah. I mean, these are just such, like, easy, hacky ones, but at the same time, it's, like, they're a reason they've existed for, yeah, you know, all of human existence. But, like, love, man. Like, dude, love is just, that's powerful. Loving your family, loving your wife. Like having love, loving your friends. like And like that was one of the coolest things that happened at my wedding is like mm. I got to tell my wife how I feel about her. We said the vows. But I also got to tell my mom and my dad how I felt about them and as part of my vows and like how they prepared me for that moment. Wow! I know that like one day my parents will pass, and I feel like I've told them what mm. I need to tell them. That's good. Now, I don't want them to go. But they won't go without knowing. I mean, my dad's memory is gone. But, like, I, I for the longest, was like, I need my dad to know how awesome he was. Mm. I think he knows, but at least I know I told him. And I told him the exact way I wanted to tell him. And I told my mom, like, exactly what she did for me and what I'm so grateful for. Wow. And it's like, there's a piece in that.
1: Yeah.
2: So it's just like, I want to tell all my friends all my family, everybody that I really care about. So yeah, share share those feelings, man. Even if it's awkward, even if it's uncomfortable.
1: I want to acknowledge you, Andrew, for just what you've created and your, your authenticity. I think the way you create and your ability to put stuff out there, what could be scary for some people, you just keep showing up and keep being authentic and your realness behind it all. I've been watching your Thank stuff you, for man. a while. You know, we have a lot of mutual friends and stuff like that. But to, to connect in person, it's been really fun, man. This is so, awesome, dude. You're a great interviewer, man. Uh, you know, I try to listen the best I can. I interrupt a little too much, but I try to no, listen. No, you were great, man. Um, You're just a really great interviewer. This w- was this was fun talking. Yeah, man. I got to come to one of your one of your shows. Soon, Anytime you so, want. Yeah, I would love to come and check it out. But uh, I want people to go to your show too, just because if they haven't followed you on social media. Uh, Andrew Schultz everywhere. What's the? Uh, where else can they support you? Your YouTube is hilarious. Yeah, YouTube, Instagram, like. You've got two different podcasts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do the podcast
2: Flagrant Two with uh, yeah. Akash and uh, Alex and Mark, and uh, and we have Dove. the team keeps growing it seems. But uh, and then uh, Brilliant Idiots, which the great Charlemagne of God. He's great. He's just awesome. But yeah, like.
1: But the main thing you got is your tour. Coming yeah. if you want to
2: come check it out like watch some clips that's what i always yes. say it's like watch a clip or something if you like it if it's for you you'll watch more and then it will happen yeah, you'll know? show
1: up yeah, yeah show it up. will happen naturally it's exciting man yeah um how else can we support
2: you that's all man just your attention is yeah. just awesome like give me the opportunity to entertain you and if you're entertained then i think the rest just kind of works of course of course yeah. love it man yeah, love people it. want that
1: final question for you yep. what, what's your definition of greatness
2: yeah being the best and the best is a standard that i create Mm -hmm. you know so it's like who i think is the best comedian is not who everybody thinks is the best comedian but they do the like the form of comedy that i like the best the best Mm -hmm. but like if we're talking about like career then that's just being just being the best and just pushing and continuing to move towards that uh but greatness is like a man that's different, mm. like affecting the people's lives. Like my dad is a great man. Mm. Like he's a great man. That is the goal as a man to affect people's lives the way that he affected them. And he mm. never tried to be a great man. Like he just was a great man. And then when you exist in greatness, you affect all the people around you. You mm. know. And he's just yeah, like that is that is the goal. To do that. Like, if you could have career and personal like that, like, great man, great husband, great father, great career, what a life lived, man. That is the goal.
1: Mm. Yeah. Matter, And now it's time to go out there and do something great.
3: There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home to move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.